Hey guys, just a quick reminder that while we're going to be releasing episodes uh, weekly per usual, a lot of the guests that we'll be releasing episodes for, um, their restaurants or wineries or breweries or distilleries or whatever it is, um, might not be open uh, to their normal capacity right now. You know, a lot of places uh, in Austin, they have a a stay-at-home order until May 1st, and so a lot of the restaurants are just straight up closed until May 1st and, and maybe beyond, beyond, so we'll see. Um, a lot of them are doing curbside and things like that. So when you listen to the episode, if you want to support these places, feel free to go onto their websites. Um, I, I usually have before we even release the episode, and most of them have some sort of disclaimer telling what their situation uh, is you know, depending on the spot. So a lot of them, you can still do curbside. A lot of them are doing online orders and things like that. Um, so if you want to go support these places or any of the other businesses, uh, in the archives, I, 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 you know, I urge you to do that. I think that's a good thing for our part. Shotgun is offering free delivery on any coffee orders, uh, within the San Antonio city limits. So if you order a bag of coffee or two bags of coffee, you want to join our weekly or monthly subscription service, or if you want to order a five pound bag of a whole bean, freshly roasted coffee, uh, just put in the code S A T X coffee at checkout. Uh, it's on the top of our website and you'll get free delivery with that order. So, um, we've been doing that for about a month now and, and we've been, I've been doing several a day. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll be getting uh, some new copies in this week, uh, and we'll be releasing some new fun things. I know we've already given away some seriously chocolate bars. That was actually a, a guest on the podcast a few weeks back. Uh, we've given away some eleven by seventeen prints with you know certain orders uh, just for fun. So if you haven't signed up for our email, sign up for that stuff. Get on our Instagram. Uh, We'll be doing something with Casa Chocolates, which is a bean-to-bar chocolate maker here in San Antonio this week. And like I said, we'll be getting a new uh, uh, Burundi coffee in, too. Uh, that should be really good. So, uh, yeah, support the places on the podcast and uh, enjoy the episode. Thanks. Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Lift Fund. For over 25 years, Lift Fund has backed entrepreneurs who build something out of nothing by providing responsive insights and small business capital when others aren't able to. If you need help launching your passion into a reality, visit liftfund.com today. Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Geekdom. Geekdom is the largest co-working space in the city with the focus of building downtown San Antonio one startup at a time. Visit geekdom.com today to schedule a free tour. What's up, guys? This is Eddie Laughlin, co-founder of Shotgun House Coffee Roasters, and you're listening to Building Something Out of Nothing, a small business podcast right here in San Antonio. Today's guests are Luis and Marsha Morales, founders of Humble House Foods in San Antonio. We sit down at their manufacturing facility and talk about the origins of Humble House and how it all started, their relationship with the Pearl and how they became one of the first vendors at the Pearl Farmer's Market, pivoting the business model from artisan cheese to their signature hot sauces, and how they entered HEB's third annual quest for the best competition and wound up hitting the jackpot, getting their unique product into over 200 HEBs across the state. Enjoy. All right, so I'm sitting here with uh, Luis and Marsha Morales, owners of Humble House Foods, over here on what part of town are we on exactly? Is this kind so of we're by Ingram? By Ingram, uh, yeah, okay. Ingram four ten. Okay, and this is kind of your newish production manufacturing facility, kind of all in one thing. We're sitting in the office, but you just kind of took me on a tour of the kind of facility back there that was all just kind of built out like a mm-hmm. year ago. Is that correct? Yep, about yeah. a year ago. Yeah. 
very cool. It's all the bottling machine and where you keep <laughs> all the ingredients and you were, what was the thing you were showing me with the chilies and how they were sitting in vinegar and like aging and stuff? Sure. Yeah. We age all of our uh, chili bases. So that was awesome. You know, we got to process them all and then we let them sit and then we cook it them and pack them. It helps to intensify the flavor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Without cool. making the heat overwhelming. And is that stuff you can technically like buy in advance if you wanted to, or y'all just like to age it yourself? And no, we do it ourselves. We, we really can't buy it. Okay. Um, you know, either you buy chili mash, which is already processed, but it's got preservatives in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually specific to one chili. Like, uh, we can get red jalapenos like that, but we can't get like uh, wajillo puree, ancho puree. Um, it's just not on the market. Okay, so you really do from scratch. You just have to make all. Yeah, that we bring in whole chilies. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we do um, about two thousand pound batches or two hundred gallon batches in each one of those. Awesome. Uh, there's about ten thousand chilies. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and y'all kind of specialize. You've done a lot of things in the past. As we were talking about before cheese and all sorts of things. But right now, currently, y'all kind of specialize and have honed in on your specialty hot sauces. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I want to talk about company's about 11 years old mm-hmm. started in 2008 you yes. said um yeah so i just wanted to go back and and talk about the origins of the company and how you got the idea and how everything started Luis, you were a graduate of the one of the first graduates of the cia which was it was called something else at the time yeah, right? back then it was the cfa the center for foods of the americas okay it was their pilot program it was uh before the cia was accredited in the state of texas to get mm-hmm. degree programs so I don't actually have a degree. I have a professional certificate in culinary education. Okay. So um, it was a little different schooling back then. Because it was a certificate, it wasn't two years long or, you know, a year and a half. I went to the CIA for 30 weeks. And it was like boot camp. Okay. So we, we did that entire program that's usually, um, you know, pushed over two years, uh, minus all of the academic curriculum that will get you the, you know, uh, degree. And we just focus on food for okay, weeks. very cool. Weeks, and yeah. after you got out, you kind of helped with the evolution of the Pearl a little bit, right? You helped work it like well, Bill um, and some of that. Yeah, so at Pearl, we, we have a long history with Pearl. It's uh, my first encounter was there at the CIA for school, okay. and back then there was a lawn where. Um, Basically, everything is. The only thing that was there was the cured building, the stable, where the CIA is, the small pilot building, not the big one behind it. Exactly. Uh, the full goods building and the bottling house. And that's all that was there? That was all that was there. Just so when I would go to school... field for the rest of it. That's crazy. There was yeah. empty... Yeah, there was a... In front of the CIA, it was all grass. Okay. And, and right in the middle of the lawn was cured. the train okay. and the cured thing along a, a long, narrow... Um, Driveway driveway yeah going to broadway just empty mm-hmm. and then behind a fence huh. right there where the cia is was just dirt and construction in the full goods building back then it was just a warehouse and uh nothing nothing there so when i started that's where um pearl was and then uh, i was lucky enough to be on the team that started il Sonio with andrew wiseman which is awesome uh, yeah, yeah it, it was it was awesome it was um Maybe not the first restaurant, but one of the first restaurants on Pearl. And we opened that up, and uh, I was there for quite a while. And actually, that was my last job until I started this. So, oh, wow. Yeah. and then But since then, um, went went back to the CIA for another uh, program. It was the Latin Cuisines program. So we went through 
every country from Mexico all the way down to Chile, in mm -hmm. including the Caribbean, and learned about Latin culture. Um, you know, I had to take uh, Spanish classes and Portuguese classes, and we had an anthropologist that taught us the culture and the history, not just the cooking. Okay. It was a very immersive program. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. awesome. It was really cool. And, and while they were doing that, that was the pilot program for the Latin Cuisines course. Um, that coincided with opening NAO, which no longer exists. Right, right. Uh, but I was also on the opening team for NAO. Okay. And that um, was was also a lot of fun. You yeah, know, they, that That just cool. closed, and they redid the concept now, and... You know, it's it's and uh, it's still with culinary students, right? Yes, just like absolutely. It was NAO. Okay. Yes, just like it was then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always thought that was a really cool concept how they how they did that. But so you helped open NAO, and then you knew that you wanted to open up your own thing mm -hmm. at some point, something food related. You didn't know exactly what you wanted it to be, but early on, you thought you wanted it to be involved with cheese. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, actually, we we started the company with cheese, um, and it was called Humble House. It was, yeah, okay. it was. Uh, we. We actually were going to name the company something that had to do something with cheese. Um, you know, we had a five different names. It's good you didn't do that. It's very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, when we were at the courthouse doing the DBA, all of those names were taken. And thank goodness, because yeah. otherwise... What we were some of the early iterations, do you remember? I don't even remember. Didn't we thought we thought we came up with Creamy Creations? We're like, Creamy, creamy Creations, <laughs> sounds, that sounds like that. something have we could I? do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... HB was, was like, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we it was it was had to do something with with cheese and mm -hmm. and uh, when we were there we said you know what now there's something more here, yeah. and you um, came up with Humble House on the spot. Yeah, yeah that's yep. that's, that's really a great, great name. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we 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 like it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's stuck. Good name has been there since the beginning. Yes. from the beginning. Change the name. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it works with a variety of things. So you can change the mm -hmm. tweak the concept exactly. and it works fine. Yes. Um, yeah, cheese early on, and then you were saying the dairy laws had changed. Um, in 2012 or 2012, something like that? 2012, yeah. yeah. So, so between 2008 um, and then 2009 is when the Pearl started. So we started selling at Pearl. Before that, we were just at other farmer's markets like San Marcos and, and um, uh, New Braunfels and stuff like that. So you were, you were doing the cheese through Humble House. You had your trailer? Not the trailer, no. This, we started at um, in a little 10 by 10 room that was an old house converted into a a business and coffee it's where street. brown coffee company right. uh, used to used to roast so yeah it, it's where they stored you know they gave us he cleaned out that room it was just pallets on the floor with you know green beans on on the, yeah. on the pallets and he said you guys could have this room so we we uh, started the company out of a storage room <laughs> it was a little 10 by 10 as big as the tent that we sell out of at the pearl i mean that's what we yeah that's what the whole company How do you was, store the, the cheeses and stuff? Or was oh, well, that we bought I guess refrigerators. the, refriger yeah, the okay. refrigerators okay. were... Yeah. We bought refrigerators and, um, you know, all, all used, of course, on Craigslist. We couldn't okay. afford anything new. Um, we were going to college at the time. We both went to college for music. Uh, okay. But dropped out to really focus on Humble House. Okay. And so you had the storage room and you were doing farmer's markets. Because mm -hmm. you have your relationship with the Pearl, you were doing the early iterations of the farmer's market there. And then you said New Braunfels, which I've been to. It's a great little farmer's market. Mm -hmm. um, but did you just have like a stand at first? You know, now you have like kind of a big fancy, all that stuff back there. But <laughs> was it just kind of an, like a little yeah, basic it was just a, cheat little table with you yep. your cheeses and that's pretty much it? That's that's pretty much it. We and had a, a, a white, yeah, white 10 by 10 tent, white table, white cooler <laughs> that was the whole setup in the beginning okay. and we just put a uh, um, cheese that that w was in deli containers at, at the time yeah um, you know aged cheese takes time to age so uh -huh. 
for the first couple months, we were getting our recipes right, and we were only selling fresh cheese, essentially. So we were selling mascarpone and some flavored mascarpones. Sounds good. Uh, mm-hmm. They were really nice. I, I miss them, actually. Yeah. And, we, did um, a, we did a dessert one, a, a pumpkin mascarpone for the holidays. My favorite. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That really good. And uh, then our aged cheese came in, and that started uh, production, and, and over the course of those couple of years we did 14 different varieties of fresh and aged cheese okay and um, we supplied people like steve McHugh at luke when when he was over there um and uh il sonio you know as soon as i started this i we made a, a custom cheese for il sonio for their um antipasti bar and uh you know some other restaurants of uh, jeff balfour back when he was at Oh, yeah. Uh, Citrus. Yeah. And, um, I forgot about that yeah, place. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I moved here in 2015, so, like, all the some of these kind of were starting to close down, like Luke. And, yep. That's right. You know, I, th- that was right when I was kind of getting here and, and mm-hmm. all of that, so I remember, you know, hearing good things about that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, so the cheese business was already kind of taken off and growing. It was, and yeah. It was taken off. It was, it was really Pearl recognition. Great. Were p- a lot of people coming to the Pearl at that time, or was that still, like, early days? No, a lot of people. In the beginning, there was a lot of people. Okay. Um, we, you know, we'd been at other farmers markets, and and uh, we'd be lucky if we made yeah, like a hundred bucks or yeah, something. Completely. Yeah, completely. In our first day at Pearl, <laughs> oh, I remember. We counted the money right there after we we, <laughs> we were shocked. It was like five hundred and forty-four dollars yeah. or something, mm-hmm. and yeah. we were just like, "What the? This yeah. is the most we've ever seen." <laughs> that is crazy. So I mean, it was doing. Yeah, people mm-hmm. were into it. It was doing well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but then. So that is that kind of what happened? You were doing, you were running with it, you were going with it, you were getting into some restaurants, some, yep. some notable restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you had great connections with chefs and all this stuff. So you had, I mean, the lanes were open for, for this to kind of, and was, and was, this, was this happening in San Antonio at the time with all the no, right? was so, other cheese happening? No, we were the only ones at the time. And now, really, there's not a lot of cheese. I, I don't think there's a lot Also, now. really, uh, Riverway Creamery. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's owned by Susan, and she actually was part of the team when we were doing cheese. Oh, okay. that's right. She came to us. Um, that Out was her, her passion. She wanted to make cheese. That's yeah. that's what she that's cool. wanted to do with her life. And she yeah. was like, was, I heard you're the only one. She was the, um, the culinary school at, um, in Hyde Park. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. She went to the San Antonio one and did her, bat, uh, her associates. Back then, they didn't have bachelors, so then she went to New York Hyde Park, right? To finish, finish up. That must be where a lot of people go, because that's where McHugh yes. went. That's yeah. where Hernandez yeah. went. Back then, that if you wanted a bachelor's, it was so the there only place you could go. That was it. Yeah, that okay. was it. That's really yeah. personal. For a couple of years, it was you could only get a certificate, like I did, and then they uh, did the associates program for a couple okay. of years. And so, if you wanted a bachelor's, you had to leave. Now you can do that, um, and now they even have a master's program. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So you're doing the cheese. Things are going well. 2012 laws change. Yeah, um, and uh, tell me a little bit about that and how you had to pivot the business model a little bit. Sure. So the the dairy laws were, um, like I said, cheese wasn't a big thing, so nobody really worried about it. Uh, it was just under manufactured food. Mm-hmm. At some point, somebody just threw it under that title. Um, anybody who had a food manufacturing so license. For instance, could. I have a food manufacturer's license that you can get, and it's the easiest thing to get. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's yeah. a state man. It's not a city thing. It's a right. state thing, and so we yeah. have it for roasting coffee and selling that mm-hmm. wholesale. Um, exactly. And then they'll send someone around to kind of inspect some stuff. Exactly. So you could have started making cheese on yeah, the side. Yeah, easy peasy. Anybody mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so they they changed that. Yeah, they changed. Uh, Texas went through some you know some changes in, in food laws. Right, the farmers market at Pearl is not the only one in Texas that was starting. It was the beginning of a trend, and so cottage law came out of you know legislation that started back then. But dairy was one of the first things they did. I think because of the high volatility of 
Um, it makes you know, sense. It, it, Very yeah. easily, somebody, sure. if they don't know what they're doing, they they're could not cheese get mongers. somebody sick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted for safety to, um, to make that its own license. But in doing so, the license would have bankrupted us. Yeah, we, we would um, essentially just got moved to the dairy licensing department. And at that point, you just had to have a plant that was able to accept raw milk and, and milk products. And our facility was not up to code for that. Okay. And there was no way that, you know, we were still in college back then. You couldn't afford that. We couldn't no. afford no. anything like that. So we just decided to pivot. And okay. that's how we started doing the, the pestos. And so you still, you thought pesto was the first, I mean, you probably thought of a couple of ideas, but. Oh, we did. We did like uh, flavored uh, oils and, oh, and yeah, um, vinegars right. and. We did a couple things um, that I'm pretty sure no one remembers because I barely remember them. <laughs> uh, but we did three or four other things that, that didn't, didn't really, really pan out. catch on. Yeah. Uh, but the pestos, as soon as we did that, we uh, we got some love from, from Pearl. Yeah, and our customers, they thought it was a good transition, I guess, from cheese to, to pesto. And, mm-hmm. and we did it before the dairy laws actually changed. We knew a year in advance that that was going to happen okay. for about eight months. So okay. We came out with all these things while we were still doing cheese. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones that stuck were the pestos. Yeah. And so you just basically started packaging and bottling pestos that you were making. You probably had, what, two, three varieties at the time? Yeah, we, we did a, uh, at the time it was a basil pesto. Um, we didn't have a cilantro pesto That's back right. then. It was a roasted tomato pesto. Sun-dried roasted tomato pesto. Yeah. And uh, hummus and tapenade. And where were you making all of this? Uh, at the still same at, space. At, at so the same space over there. Yep. And okay, so you were licensed and everything, so mm-hmm. you were all good. You were ready to go. Yep. Um, and well, yeah. What was the reception like? Kind of once you started, when you pivoted to the pastos and everything, were people uh, digging it? Some people liked it. Some people didn't. You know, okay. when, and this is a theme that we've seen many times. You know, back then people thought of us as the cheese people. Right. So when we came out with pesto, yeah. we said, "Well, you can't do that. You're the cheese people." Yeah. And and so we lost some customers. You know. Really. You, you outgrow some of your customers sometimes, or they outgrow you. And uh, then we got new people, you know, who, mm-hmm. who didn't care about cheese and who wanted pesto. And same thing happened when we did the hot sauces. People were like, you guys can't do that. You're, You're the, the pesto, pesto people. people. Right. That's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure when, if we come out, when we come out with a new product line, they'll say, but you're the hot sauce people. Right. It's just the evolution of business and the way it goes. That's really interesting. I don't really understand that, but well, as I, long I as didn't you, either. Yeah. As long as you think of it as, um, as an opportunity to educate your customers, which is Luis loves, um, you know, teaching classes and um, mentoring and everything turns into an educational conversation with him. Yeah, no, so that's good. So he just treated each of those shifts as a way to educate our customers on a new wonderful product that they could love and use and cook with and you know as long as you keep it in perspective that way so the ingredients you were using at the beginning were those i, I know you were u- utilizing certain ingredients from the farmer's market mm-hmm. um so is that kind of what you were using at the beginning to create your pestos i know now sure. you, you partner with farmers and things like that and it's a little bit more yeah, extensive um, but whatever we can get we can get you know we, we would get uh Nobody grows garlic here, you know. I can't That's get true. that. Or, yeah, you can't get or, everything or, uh, local. You can't. No. It's just you, you know, know, there's no almond trees right. down I-10 right. or <laughs> walnut groves. You know, that it's just not the case. So, if we could, if we can buy something, we from here we do. You know, that's part of. Uh, at some point, as we started growing, we got away from what I guess people would call the word sustainable. Right. and started to think of it more as responsible. Yeah, there you go. Um, because when you scale, 
sustainability in its, uh, I guess, purest sense for most foodies, it's kind of unattainable and would actually do more harm exactly. than good in yeah. a lot of ways. So it's it, we just take a responsible approach to sustainability, which means if someone's doing it here, we can get it here, then we do. And if not, okay. we just find the best source we can outside of here. So instead of just using those buzzwords that a lot of people like to use just for the sake of using them, you're actually implementing a responsible way of doing yeah. it that actually makes sense. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. You know, like when we first started the hot sauces, we were only selling at the Pearl. We'd make a five gallon batch, you know, for that, I could get all of my chilies from right. the farmer at the Pearl and yeah. it was a hundred percent Pearl made, but you know, you go into somewhere like HEB and well, now we buy 2000 pounds at a time. Of red jalapenos, That's crazy. There's not a farmer right, right here in San Antonio and or guy around right down the street that can do that. They yeah. can do that. So we've got a source from other farms, and that's what we do. You know, when when you make red jalapenos, people don't go out there and pick the nice ripe ones. You know, you you plant a jalapeno field, and you pick multiple times uh, green jalapenos. Right. Okay. You go and you pick, and you let you let it grow again. You you pick again, and then once you've gotten your your um kind of the maximum capacity for that crop right yeah depending on the weather you know and all that you might get four turns on it okay. or six but as soon as you know okay the next the next crop we're not going to really get a lot you let the whole field ripen okay and then they pick all of it okay and so what we what we do is we deal with people in the valley uh, and or mexico and we buy entire fields mm -hmm. so you know we say next time you're going to turn a field give let it, them ripen all the way to red and, 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 and then and okay, then we get cool. all of them, and then we've got to process them. That's what you saw in there, the mash, you know? Yeah, so that's what was happening back there. Exactly. Wow. So all that was from one field, and it just came in, and, you know, we process it and let it sit and age, and, yep. Okay, cool. So you were doing the pestos at the farmer's market. Um, all the while, I'm assuming the farmer's market, just like different vendors and stuff, was just mm -hmm. growing, and more mm -hmm. and more people, mm -hmm. and more Absolutely. restaurants were coming in, and things yep. like that. Um, kind of like the cheese situation, were you selling to restaurants and a little wholesale yeah. as well? Yep. Or was it just, yeah, so it wasn't just the market? It wasn't just the market, no, okay. the cheese. Uh, once we did pestos, that really didn't translate as well as uh, okay. the mm -hmm. cheese did. You know, with the right. cheese, you're, you're selling an ingredient that oh. chefs can use. Right. Um, but with pestos, it's it's already, uh, you know, most chefs are going to say, I'll make my own pesto. I'm not sure. going to pay you. Yeah, I guess that completely <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when did you kind of make the move to hot sauce? 2013, we needed a change. So I rebranded. Mm -hmm. From 2012 to 2013, really took a hard look at the company and wanted really had to think about okay where we're going to be in the next 10 years you know um, we kind of at that point realized all our dreams which were you know to have a successful company that was paying us and we didn't have to work somewhere else right. uh, you know we we were um we were happy with where we were but we needed to to go and make it you needed another challenge yeah we needed a, we needed another challenge you know the we were um, happy with where we were but we wanted more so 2012 2013 I started to rebrand the company and think about how we wanted to appear to the to the public and and you know everyone going forward and so in 2013 we unveiled the new the new look that you see today right um, it's the, still the same the same logo same type of branding cool and um, we also started to educate our customers at the Pearl so I would you know, have a chef code and a microphone headset, and we would uh, go to the farmers in the morning, get whatever they needed help uh, pushing, you know, because 
not everyone knows how to use kohlrabi. And right. So they're okay. like, hey, I have time that they were selling more variety of um, vegetables than the customers knew what to do with. Interesting. So it was an educational thing for the customers. Yes. It helps out the other vendors and also yeah. kind of promote your product as well. Yeah, sure. So it was just... Yeah, we I go and get whatever they wanted us to to really push. Awesome. And um, I would do demos at 10, 11, and 12. And, huh. um, you know, it was completely free. We just did. Well, we give away the samples. And right, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. used our pesto and whatever was in season. And um, I'd come out with, you know, the, the spring seasonal cooking series, the summer seasonal cooking series. Was that an issue? That does make me curious. I mean, because, yeah, a lot of people might not know how to cook a raw, certain raw vegetable. I understand mm-hmm. that. But did people also, were you running into an issue where people just didn't know what to do with a pesto? Yes. yes. Because aside, for a lot of people, aside from spreading it on a cracker or putting it on a turkey sandwich, yes. a lot of people don't know what to do with it. Yes. Um, so that was an issue. That so was an issue. So you were trying issue. to educate them about that as well. Exactly. Like, you put this into a pasta. You can, you know, yep. mm-hmm. put it on chicken and, grill, mm-hmm. you know, you can do anything. So. Yeah, we did all kinds of stuff. Okay. And, and so it, it, was, it was helping the farmers, it was helping us, and it was educating cool. the public all at the same time. Interesting. Yeah. And that did evolve into eventually what kind of the farmer's market situation is now for you yeah. where it's more of like a farm to table you make actual meals for people yes um, yeah when you know the the cooking series really took off people liked it uh we liked doing it it was really fun but people were actually getting mad that they couldn't buy what we were making a plate of it right yeah. then like and giving there. them like you know interesting you know, a little so it's like tiny here's, cup here's the little H-E-B sample. like cup yeah, yeah. yeah. and they they're were like, like no, no I, I want to purchase this in a bowl so like, it, it became apparent that yeah. okay well we just need yeah. to do this exactly there was a there was definitely a shift in the market interesting that's um, cool that's right about the time that we started seeing a little more tourism uh-huh. to the Pearl yeah uh, before it was people who lived in San Antonio went there to shop yeah um, especially because we had an anchor tenant who was a, a farmer and they sold the H-E-B and so they had uh, a lot of volume, and they sold the same kind of produce they sold to H-E-B there at the Pearl for about the same price. So, you know, you got amazing quality um, and and at the same price as you get at H-E-B. And so people really went there to shop. I yeah. Mean, we used to... We used to sell a lot more product than we do, you know. Now it's it's not the same. Um, it's still a buyer's market. People are, are going there to shop who live here, but we also see a big... Um, tourism push you know now that the river extends all the way to pearl people walk from downtown mm-hmm. they oh yeah they stop off at the pearl hotel elma's open now hotel elma brings in a lot of people who are not from here so that's more like international shift. stuff too yeah. oh I mean, yeah absolutely completely changes the dynamic of the it type does. of people walking around mm-hmm. yep and you and know. so that's when we started to to realize that that that's where the market was going and so we pivoted and and started the cafe uh believe 2015 yeah so 2015 so that's when i got here my sister was living with me she went to saint mary's law and so we would go down there all the time and she would bring your pestos home (laughs) i mean this is yeah years ago but i absolutely remember that um what kind of things were you making and serving at the little cafe when we started or now both yeah maybe when we started the, the menu wasn't really set in stone all we knew was that we really wanted to um to keep the trend going as far as promoting um, local farmers and using our products at the same time. So okay. we went through a lot of different things. We did asparagus fries for one. We did a lamb burger that was really good. We did a miso soup. But oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was all over the map. And what we found out was that people responded better to 
kind of brunch type foods. Okay, so, so egg yeah. stuff. And mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter if they show up at, you know, 10 minutes before the market starts or 10 minutes before it ends. Usually that's their first encounter for the day. It's brunch right? time. Yeah, way, it's, yeah, they want breakfast or brunch, so um, that that's what we serve It's kind now. of perfect. They can get their little coffee over at, I don't mm-hmm. know what's brewing was there at yep. the time. Yeah, they they were, they yeah they've been yeah. there from pretty much from the beginning. Local coffee, and then you come, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty pretty awesome. And y'all were, if I remember correctly, aside from going into the actual restaurants at the Pearl, y'all are kind of the only setup like that, or were at the Pearl. Yeah. We, the beginning. I know the Crate Place does some mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of like made-to-order things at the beginning. Yeah, no, at the beginning it was, um, no, there, there wasn't. It was, like I said, it was a buyer's market. It was much more about products and produce. Okay. You know, and then we started to see service type uh, vendors there at the market. Okay. And, and that sold they food. They grew and alongside the um, uh, tourism traffic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So would you say the cafe was kind of a hit from the beginning? You started it? It took a while. And once the menu kind of like evened out, then Solidified yes. and you realize, okay, this is the type of food they want. Yes. Once, once you figured that out, it kind of just started mm-hmm. going yep. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So you did that for a while. And then that was 2015. I want to shift to how you kind of got onto HEB's radar a sure. little bit. Because at this point, you were doing the cafe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were selling your pestos at the farmer's market. But yeah, so were you in other retail locations, um, like small situations, yeah, like groomers, natural grocers, anything know, like that? No, 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 no actual, just small mom and pop shops. No chains, yeah, it was just small. No chains, no were, groceries. Was anybody approaching you for that type of stuff? Yeah, so so what happened was, um, let's see, this is the, the sixth year of HEB's Quest for Texas Best, I believe, yeah. five or six years. Um, the first two years, they approached us. Uh, there was a buyer who just came to the Pearl um, and liked our stuff. You know, I didn't know who he was or anything, but he said, hey, HUB's going to do this thing. Your pestos would be perfect. Your pesto would be great. And yeah. Sweet. And I told him no. <laughs> wow, okay. And it's like, uh, we're not ready for HUB. Yeah. You know? Because that's daunting and scary. It and is, yeah. It, you know, you're creating this high-quality product in super small batch. You didn't have yeah. the production. You were no. in the, what, like a 10 by 10 room, you said? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, you at were that literally point, in a closet. Yeah. yeah. It well, was at that point, point, we had actually moved to a larger facility, but even that facility even wasn't that. big enough. It's only 2,000 square feet. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then we were only leasing probably 1,000 or 1,200. So, yeah. yeah, no, there was, you know, we, we said no, no, thank you. And then the next year... There was uh, the general manager at the one of the HEBs um, in Alamo Heights. He was also a customer. And so the next year he said, look, you guys need to do this thing. Last year was great. It's yeah. the second year. Told him, this, again, we're, we're just, we're not ready. Mm-hmm. Basically but, he told us you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's when I said, okay, you know what, I, I believe him. I think we are missing out. But because of the nature of the pestos, um, with no preservatives or anything. Interesting. I okay. knew that it wasn't really a commercially viable product. Right. So that got us thinking about, well, what can we do that really um, showcases Humble House and, and what we're about and, you know, speaks to our values and everything, but also can be made on the same equipment we have now. And um, This was right after you finished the Latin Cuisines program. Yeah, this is pretty much about the same time. So it just was perfect. It was, yeah, it was perfect. You know, we we knew what we needed, which was a product that was shelf stable. And so we decided to go Latin focused. And Mm -hmm. what we did was we we built this product line specifically for HEB for the Quest. Okay. Right. Because we knew that was an opportunity. We turned down twice. 
and we didn't want to turn it down. And that again. didn't bother them that they were interested in the pestos, and then you said, know. "Well, here you go. I got hot sauce." <laughs> I didn't that ask. Was, yeah, so you just did that, and that just that was the yeah. thing that you entered into the contest. So for anybody that doesn't know, started in 2014, the HEB's quest for the best is a competition, right? To mm-hmm. get into HEBs and get your product kind of widely distributed throughout yeah. Texas. Yes. Um, winners get prize money and wide distribution throughout HEB stores. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's what you were entering. It was the second or third year? Third year. It was the third year. And so you 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 entered your hot sauces into the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ones did you put into the competition? The three that we have now, the same ones, all three of them. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, tell me about, so you put it in, what, do you, you find you hear nothing for a little bit, and then... Yeah, you, you enter online, um, you don't send in any product, you, you enter online, um, you know, for anybody that's ever wanted to start a food company, I'd say that if you're in Texas, this is the best way to go about it. Yeah. What you do is March is um, open season for applications, they turn on the website, okay. it's open to anyone, um, and you fill out the application, all throughout March you have an opportunity to do that. Um, March 31st, they shut it down. Okay. And they go through, and it takes them a while, probably two months. Has to, because I'm sure they get it. They're getting a thousand. Yeah. Or more. Uh, yeah. On average, I think it's uh, 800 entries. Okay. 800 different companies are trying to get products. You know, which is like 3,000 products. It, yeah. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. So they filter through all that, and um, then they pick the top 25. Uh, this year they did 20. Okay. Um, but they pick the top 25 and. They tell them, all right, hmm. you guys, uh, we think you guys have promise. And they uh, invite you to Houston or Austin. They've had it both Houston and Austin. Um, we went to Houston. Well, what was it like, first of all, to be selected as the top 25? Were you, is that something you were expecting? To yell <laughs> no, at? no. Were you like, not. oh, we'll get that? Or were you just like, no. well, we'll see what happens? No, and then it was they, basically we, we gave them this product line, and we were like, well, this isn't what they were asking for. I hope right. they like oh, so it. So immediately it's kind of like strike one. This is a long <laughs> shot. Type yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, that and, you know, the first two years – you know, the first year they probably only had three, three hundred uh, entrants, I believe. Okay. Oh, yeah. The second year was like five, and then no, 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 no. Yeah. It was we were in the five hundred. The the year that we entered, there were five hundred. And then there okay. were like five. Yeah, that's a lot of. Companies. That was, a, and that's it's, why yeah. when they told us that, we were like, oh well. I, okay, I guess so you were like, was... yeah. If it, I'd go in with the mindset of like, if something happens, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to expect it. I'm no. not going to tie my right. hopes to this. Yeah, exactly. So, but but so they call you, and you're in the top twenty five. Yep. You're in the running at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they invited us to, to Houston uh, to, to pitch, essentially. They, basically like a big Shark Tank. Yeah, you, you pitch Shark Tank style to their executives. and Was that nerve-wracking at all? Very. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Was it, like, intimidating to go talk oh, to them? Yeah. Were they very, cool? Or? Very intimidating. Mm-hmm. I'm, they're, like, corporate execs, No, they, right? were, they were very they, nice. They, oh, they weren't nice. at all scary like Shark Tank is. Right. But, um, they weren't mean to you. Right, no, no, right. No. They weren't mean. But they, they did say you only have five minutes and you best have everything ready to go. And so I who made was, him, Who presented? Yeah. I we made him did. practice. You both did. Okay. We both did, yeah. yeah. We wrote a script and I uh, he hated me for a while, but... <laughs> It hey, worked out. It worked. It worked, yeah. And and now we, we mentor companies going through the quest. So wow. we're um, a mentor for this region, this, uh, you know, the central That's cool. Texas mm-hmm. region. So this past quest that just happened a couple weeks ago, you know, when they unveiled to the, the, the current 25, right, or 20, um, the ones that were from here, San Antonio and surrounding, mm-hmm. they introduced them to us. They can contact you. And, and yeah, and they say if you guys have any questions, you and know, they're the go-between. Yeah, we got to sit down with a couple of the um, 
the contestants before they went and just, you know, kind of calm their fears and also tell them. you what it felt like yes. to oh, yeah. there at yeah. that beginning yeah. stage exactly. where this could change their yes. whole life, essentially. Yes. You know? yeah. yeah, no, it really will. And, and, and every year we go back to the quest and we speak on a, a you know, um, panel. A panel, you know, on, on whatever they want to talk about. Like this past, you know, two weeks ago, it was about uh, we're in the manufacturing and co-packing panel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just to, you know, for all those people that are there, you know, because once you, if you're in the top 20 or 25, you've already won. Right. You know, you're, you don't unless you mess it up, you're going to be an HEB. Right. You don't necessarily wow, need to be one of the placing You don't winners. have to get prize money. You're just getting right. money. Yeah. Right. yeah. If you they, go there to get money. They like you, you enough, yeah. To compete, yeah, then they like your product enough to put it on the shelves regardless. Interesting. And did you know that when you no, were top 20? No, not at all. So you still <laughs> thought we might not be an HEB. Exactly. Right, right. So um, that's why we tell people now, hey, you're already winners. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Now you're just going after money. There you go. So mm-hmm. you said talking about calming the nerves. That's what yes. that's about. It's just like, you're cool. Yeah. Just yeah. don't yeah. mess and, it up. And, you know, there's there's uh, HEB. They're an amazing company, and they're very good people, and they help so much. But they're still a huge corporation. Yeah. And they intimidate a small guy who's coming from a farmer's market. Multi-billion dollar corporation. Exactly. They're still huge. And so we we try to help the small guy understand, look, it's going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to help you out. People like us are here. We're not the only ones that are willing to mentor. You know, Basically, anyone you call that's been through it will take your calls and, and, and help you mm-hmm. because they know how much they've been helped. You know, it's a family now. So we know every year we go back and we love it and we see all these other companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was great because this year we had a son. So everybody was like, hey, oh, you yeah. got a baby. Yeah. You know? our, our baby was like the official mascot. for. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, so that's what I'm kind of curious about. So you ended up getting third place, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and you won some prize money. And yep. So you were in H-E-B. So they, what do they, how did that even work? They sit you down? And uh, yeah, they sit you down and they, they try to figure out. You know, what, once you what's your volume that you can even uh, produce? Yeah. Right. they're trying to figure out logistics at that point. Yes, yes. And, yes. and if we had had the capabilities right then and there, they probably would have placed an order. But um, they were willing to wait because we decided we wanted to manufacture our own products. They were willing to wait until we were ready to supply them. Okay, yeah. and which you is said, unheard we're, of we're as far as get... working with a big company. Oh yeah. wow, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and so what? You had to find a new facility? And... No, we just had to bring that one up to speed. We, okay. we took on. We doubled our space, and we were probably only like twelve hundred square feet. And we took on another like twelve hundred, fourteen hundred square right feet. Right to the room next door. Uh, okay, and, and started building that out. You know, putting floor drain and, and updating the electricity right mm-hmm. through phase for some of the machines we needed, and just making sure that Finding that was more uh, that was going to be up to you know up to snuff and up to code. Yeah. And were you nervous at all? Still, I mean, you're putting a lot oh, of, of money course, into yeah. this, and yeah. yeah. Um, you know, were you taking out loans at the time to do some? No, of this? at the yeah. time uh, we did not. Okay. Um, now, yeah, you went back there, you see, you know. The, that, that was a big operation back yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I look at that. We had to take okay. out loans for those. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, we did. You know, Frost is our bank. They're really amazing. We started, uh, as soon as we got into parole, we were like, okay, we need we need to, you know, one of their pointers was you need to find an institution that's going to partner with you guys. Like, we're partnering with you, but financially. Right. So we, we went to Frost, you know. Um, and they've been amazing. And Actually, our, our main banker is one of our customers. He was a customer first. Okay. Well, that's always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how we got it. We didn't go searching they, for them they to they try the product. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. He's like, so hey, he, he understands uh, us as a person, not just as a bank account, which is very nice. Okay, very cool. Yep. And so they, you know, helped us with this. But back then, no, we didn't take out any loans. Um, we just, uh, you know, self-funded um, and, and then 
hoped for the best. I mean, <laughs> so you were nervous, but you were feeling semi-confident at the same time because you had the backing of this big company. And like, mm-hmm. from it's what I've heard, you know, HEB is if you want to make it, and like kind of like what you were saying a second ago, if you want to make it in this industry where you're like packaging product and selling at retail, mm-hmm. HEB, if you're in Texas, is where it's at. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. how you're going to succeed. That's the only one. Yeah. In it the literally market. is the only one. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess you could do, well, Central Market still HEB, or you mm-hmm. could do Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you, you know, but there's yeah. how many HEBs? I mean, I was looking at the map earlier that you're in. There's 370. Right. Um, you know, 70 of those are in, in Mexico. Mexico. We're in about 200. Okay. See? Hey, totally good. <laughs> um, and it's debut. <laughs> so you were, you brought that facility kind of up to speed. Yeah. Um, and then what? Did you go back to them? How long did that take? And then Well, you... so what we did was we, we built out the space next to us. You know, put in double doors so we can bring in pallets, put in some racking, Okay. Uh, you know, pallet racking, and put in the electrical we needed. You know, um, water was there, but we put in, you know, our three compartment sinks and all that. And right. Um, just got it ready for, for manufacturing. And so our old space next door was for the farmer's market. Okay. Right. Just had everything for the farmer's market, and we tried to keep it separate. And then that space next door was just for HEB. And I remember HEB came, you know, the the... We're in condiment, so the condiment team came, and they brought uh, who's in charge of QA for that that category, um, and she came through, and you know all of them were like, "This is where you're gonna produce for HGV. Right? <laughs> you know, it, it was an old building on Fredericksburg, um, built in I don't know 1912 or something. It it used to be the bomb shelter for downtown. Right. It has a basement. It's a really old building. Wow. And so, you know, they were just, uh, this is where you're going to produce. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, this is where we, you know, we is can do okay? it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> and, um, you know, they said, okay, well, we'll see. And so we did that for a while. Um, you know, we thought it would last three to five years. In six months, it was very clear that we had to start looking for a new space. Okay. You know, and that we, was kind of just like a learning experience. Yeah. Basically, you just said, okay, happened way quicker. Mm-hmm. Way now quicker. it's time we need to yes. look for a bigger space. Yes. And that took about eight months. You know, it, it it was difficult to try to find a place that had everything we needed. But like, was small enough for us to afford. But you were all the while still producing for HEB. So yes. it's like trying to make these orders happen <laughs> and yes. find new. And that's why. So you were like, okay, now we got to go to Frost yeah. and get some money so we could yeah. do this. And so I'm imagining that was an exciting but also stressful Yeah, very period. stressful. I mean, uh, you look back on it now and, and I think, yeah, it was fun and all that. Great stories to tell. But going through it. Um, <laughs> yeah. When you're going through it, it's not that much fun. <laughs> it's not that much fun. No, it's not. But, um, but uh, definitely worthwhile. Okay, cool. So you found this spot. This is like what we were saying, like 20? Uh, 10,000 square feet. 10,000 square yeah, feet? it's like 98.50. Okay, cool. And you have room for growth here. We do. Yeah, yeah. you were saying you're at like, like maybe 10%? Around 10% capacity, capacity right yeah. now. And you can really, if you want to ramp up, ramp up. Yes. Um, and I guess, how many HEBs are you in right now? 200. You're, so 200 more than More than half. Yeah. Okay, wow. And you're in all the way from... The valley from the calendar, you know, okay, as, as far as they go up, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and how, how did that feel? Like, you know, I feel like you go from you're just selling here in San Antonio and then you're all over the state all of a sudden, yeah, in terms of like brand recognition. And like, did that change any of your lives at all, or was that kind of just oh, you yes, know, like how does that what happens once, yes, you're, once you're in uh, HEBs H- across the state? Are you kidding? For okay, so the first time HEB <laughs> placed an order, uh, we didn't have a lot of the um, right oh, yeah. automatic machines, so. Right. We basically like lived and breathed making hot sauce for the first what was it? 
I think it was at least 21 days straight where we did. Yeah, we we didn't even see the sun while we were producing. Uh, um, Him and I, and then two more full timers, and we just we were just there in a cave until we we you know placed all the orders and got them out the door. My job uh, was hand labeling everything. So you were hand labeling. You just showed me the labeler back there, and that thing (laughs) you said does 36 a minute or something. It'll label it, bottle it puts the cap on there, seals it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a way to go after that. So right. you were hand Yeah, the first 30,000 uh, the first 30,000 labels were done by hand, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, bottled basically by hand yeah. as well. I mean, after the first order, after we got paid for the first order, we had enough money to buy the machines we needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only but problem is it was getting is, that first order out the door. Uh, yeah. well, not just that, the, the, when you order machines, especially in this industry, they're, they're custom oh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And so time. You got to wait four to six weeks to to get it made and shipped, and you know, and then uh, yeah, there's the learning the curve on the machine, yeah. and it's so it was six months before we really got into a groove where it wasn't nothing but producing. Did you have any mishaps at this time? I mean, I know. I mean, were you, oh, making, sure. were you making these yeah. orders on time? Where was we, yes. ATB yeah. working yeah, with yeah. you? Yeah, we, we weren't late on any of okay. them. Thank goodness. But there were definitely I think one time times we were almost late because the yeah. machine, the, our main machine, broke down. Oh, we were no. able to get parts and ship it overnight and all okay. that. Okay. You know, we we called and said we might be late, and mm-hmm. you know because we didn't know. We I believe we we sent it out on time or maybe a day late or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I think most of the mishaps were when we spilled sauce on the floor. Yeah. The stuff like that would happen. Made me cry. Hundreds uh. of gallons. <laughs> yeah. Most of the mishaps were just us Figuring understanding out. our process, trying yeah. to figure out our process for large scale production. Right. Because yeah. that is, it's a big transition, and you know, it's very big. We used to making three gallon batches, yeah. and then, you know, then we went up to to thirty. You know, it's a ten times mm-hmm. improvement. It doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a whole different set of parameters that uh, even that little jump. Okay. You know, the machinery is completely different. And I wanted to talk about that process a little bit. I mean, now you said you were doing in, like, the big tank back there. That was 200 gallons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do yeah. 200 gallons uh, at a time. Okay. Wow. And we can do three or four batches a day. And so you do three or four batches a day. Mm-hmm. You showed me some pallets back there that are going mm-hmm. to HEB. That was, what, you said about 2,000 bottles yep. a pallet. So there were three pallets, so that was mm-hmm. about 6,000 bottles. and. Mm-hmm. I mean, those orders can come in. You said it could be three times a week. It could be once a month, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, so you they, never really know. They place in, there's, there's no schedule. It's just whenever we get the order, we have to And they say we need it, it in a week, or how, how does that even work? We need it by the end of the month? They give us, when you first fill out all your paperwork, because they're a big company, you got to yeah. fill out a lot of um, starting paperwork with them. And they basically ask how long does it take for your process. From when, when will, once we place the order, how long does it take for okay. the product to get to our okay. doorstep? So. They do have you lay out exactly how long it takes, and, and we gave ourselves two weeks. So from placing the order for all the ingredients to make sure they get here, processing everything, packaging everything, and um, shipping it, and then the time in transition, it, it takes about two weeks for us. Okay, very cool. And um, as far as the packaging, Luis, you did all the, the branding and the, the packaging and all of that stuff with your graphic design past? Yeah. Um, my parents, I grew up in the uh, sign industry. They own a sign shop here in town. And, um, you know, before that, I guess I shouldn't say grew up. I didn't, I wasn't 10 years old on the computer. Uh, they, they purchased the company probably about 15 years ago. Okay. And so I would help my mom and dad out and, um, you know, eventually learned how to 
do graphic design on the computer. I was making signs for people. Very simple stuff, you know. Okay. Um, we're not talking about building entire branding portfolios like we do now or anything. It was just, uh, I need someone to stop parking here. So I want to sign this big that says, do not park here. You know, that's mostly what, what I did. But that's what exposed me to the industry and understanding how how things are made and printed in that industry. You know, right. that was actually my first soiree with manufacturing in general. You know, uh, I used to work at Central Market, and that was my first uh, interaction with large-scale food production, yeah. you know, and, and it's kind of manufacturing, but kind of not. It's just large-scale cooking. You know, I worked in the dungeon down at in Central Market, and we, we did everything for the chef's case, and, you know, that's what I, that's where I worked during, uh, when I went to culinary school. Okay. But the sign business was the first time I really got introduced to manufacturing as far as a process. You know, you, you order raw materials, you know, we would... We would order big four by sheets of metal or plastic and all that, and or or you know, two thousand foot rolls of, of vinyl, you know, for banners. And you have to make mm-hmm. signs and banners, you yeah. know, from from nothing. So uh, that was the first time I really got introduced to manufacturing as a process, as a business. Yeah, no, I think and that's that's a cool background that actually like ties into all. Yeah, this. I, and I loved it. I mean, yeah. I, I really did. Um, it was a lot of fun, you know, and and. That's where I learned to do graphic design and then just um, really not having the money to pay someone else to do it. Right. I had to learn. Design's expensive. Design mm-hmm. is very expensive. Yeah. And, and I do all of graphic design too, so yeah. we're kind of in that same boat there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know. And were you doing as, you know, so you were getting into HEBs and stuff, all that seems like it was going well. Um, first, first of all, were people buying the hot sauce? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. and HEB, you know, we do we do a we do a promotion right. every quarter. Okay. You know, well, so let's let's pay on HEB HEB does, does the a promotion. promotion. <laughs> okay. Yes, on our behalf, HEB does a promotion every quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as part of our partnership with with our brand. Interesting. And being Quest finalist winners, you know, they really help us out. Okay. You yeah. know, uh, if if Kraft Foods wanted to be on the flyer, you know, that you get in the mail, they're gonna pay thirty to seventy grand. Okay. You know, and because we went through the quest and because we partner with HEB and they believe in our brand, you know, we don't have to pay those wow. kind of fees. Wow. You know? So there's certain other little benefits from going through the quest and oh, absolutely. going through those avenues. Yes, there they really are. Um, you know, they we, we are on rotation every quarter for a promotion. Um, you know, they the guys in Cooking Connection have done, a, uh, have done a lot of, Great, okay. great stuff for us. You know, they cook with our product, and that really helps promote it. So any store that you go and see in Cooking Connection, you know, our bottles are there. And they yeah. all those chefs, you know, they, they really like it, and they really help us. Because we can't be in every HEB. You right. know, when you're in 200, it, it's one thing if we were just in San Antonio stores. Mm-hmm. But when you're in 200 HEBs, even if we decided, hey, next year we're going to hit every HEB, it'll probably take us eight months. Yep. You know, and a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money to, to actually go and, and and cook and sample our product the way we want to. So, okay. you know, the guys at Cooking Connection really, really helped us out and, and have been doing that for us. And, and all the other people, you know, if, if your HB doesn't have a Cooking Connection, then it has a Showtime. Yep. They pretty much do the same thing. You know, so all the Showtime people have been helping us out too. Uh, and, um, yeah, so we, we do sell, yeah. Okay, I mean, cool. We're not, we're not selling like Sriracha, but... <laughs> well, but it's a different, like you were saying earlier, it was... 
one of maybe a little bit of the higher priced mm -hmm. hot sauces to go into HEBs yep. uh, when that first happened. So that's like new territory for them, new territory for y'all, new territory for customers. Were you doing any other type of advertisement as well, or was it just through? Yeah, um, word of you mouth know when we started like to, when we started in HEB, then we we knew that we had to. Um, you know, keep relevant and do do our part. You know, HEB, we could have never paid for the type of advertising that right. HEB does on our behalf, of course. But we didn't want to just take that for granted and, and um, you know, sit on that. So we hired a local company. Uh, we use Red Rattler for all yeah, of our... Yeah, I know them. Um, all of our online and, and social media, you know. So they take care of that for us and really okay. promote our brand and our products. And um, we've been with them for many years now, you know, since oh, yeah. we've been in HEB. Very cool. Yeah. Um, they did our, they did our Oh, oh yeah, and they they wrapped our trailer. They wrapped the trailer. Ones. Yeah. Okay. We, so when Pearl moved to its when the Pearl Farmers Market moved to its permanent location there around the splash pad and, and by the bottling house, um, we were allowed to bring our trailer. Okay. You know, before we would offload everything, it was just tents in the middle. You I know, see. There was no. So once there it was, was on no display, you were like, "Let's get it, this thing wrapped and branded and looking exactly. nice." Exactly. Yep. So so we we branded that out and and Red Rattler helped with that. That's we cool. So they said, yeah, you we said that we want to do this, and they did it. Brought you specs and mock-ups and everything, and then you said, yeah. "Yep." And then they, that's awesome, um, which is also great advertisement and just mm -hmm. in general. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of people see that every yeah. <laughs> every weekend, but uh, and uh, so yeah, so you're still so you're in HUBs. You're doing production over here at mm -hmm. least once a week, probably. Yep. If someone has, uh, you know, we have a lot of potential entrepreneurs and things like that listening to the podcast. If someone has a goal of starting a restaurant or a business or just opening up a farmer's market booth, is there anything you, you know, advice you would give them that maybe you wish somebody would have given you? I think you should go first. Do your research. Hmm. <laughs> nice. Maybe not. Okay. He's before, like, he, before he scares you with reality, I would say <laughs> um, it it's worth it um it's gonna be 10 times harder than you imagine it to be uh, um yeah but as long as you keep in mind that success isn't success isn't a one-time success it is a succession of failures and adjusting and learning and growing from those failures it's not going to be whatever you're imagining in your mind that success is this right. beacon it's not just like you get attain that thing exactly you know you you know it make is, it a few times and you obtain yeah. it and then you succeeded yeah. it's like it's it is a continuous line of fail okay adjust uh -huh. new course fail okay assess <laughs> adjust learn new course you know and then it's as long as you keep in mind that failure is good if you treat it as an opportunity right then rather than seeing it as a oh my god i can't believe i failed again you know don't don't use it as a, don't think of it in a negative context just keep in mind that it is life teaching you something it's hard not to take it negatively sometimes. It is, it is very you, hard. Do you feel like you have to have a certain temperament and you, certain mindset to do this, do. stay positive? Absolutely. And I would say yeah. that um, of the two of us, this husband and wife team, Luis is actually the one that keeps the positive, you know, mentality. And, you know, even though we, we failed in this, we're learning and we can yeah. get better and we're yeah. growing because of it. So make sure to Focus on that. the good things that are yes. happening. Yes. We always focus on the good things. That right. doesn't mean, you know... You know, have to always have like rose-colored glasses on to where right. you're only looking at the good things and right. ignoring because, the bad things. Yeah, but you do to. have to understand that yes, whatever you were doing, it didn't work, so it's got to change. But as long as you don't um, let it get you down. What do you think, Luis? Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, you know, it's it's more about the journey than the destination, um, for sure. You know, and how you 
how you succeed is more important than succeeding itself. And I would tell people that don't worry about all the external things that come to your mind, like financing or, you know, how do I get money for this or how do I find people for this? Usually the biggest thing that holds you back is yourself. Um, I would say before you invest in your company, you need to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, time and time again, when we weren't growing, it was always because of Marsha and I. We weren't the leaders we needed to be, the bosses we needed to be, the chefs we needed to be, whatever it is. You know, if you're stuck right now, it's because... You can change that. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's your fault, but There's that's a the solution good thing. out there somewhere, and you can change it, yeah. That's exactly, so... Just invest in yourself before you, you know, invest in other things and don't, don't blame other people, mm-hmm. you know, be realistic with what you can do, get help with what you can't and, and learn from it and, um, you know, just understand you're not going to do it alone. Yeah. That's a, a big misconception I see. Nobody's self-made. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Be humble. Well, ask for help. Yeah, be humble. There's be a lot of love humble. that goes into things too and yeah. right place, right time and just all, yeah, no, I can. Oh, there agree. are so many factors that you can't control. Yeah, you know, focus on the ones you can. Absolutely. And understand your limitations. Be humble. Mm-hmm. Know that every moment is a learning opportunity, and go from there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, what what's you know what's on the horizon for you guys? Uh, how many employees do you currently have? Are you tell me with production, you really don't need that many people. So no. you're still pretty small operation. We're still small operation. Yeah, we, we you know we have a uh, ten employees. You okay. know, three to four uh, full time. The rest are part time. You know, they they uh, the part timers are at the farmers market. You know, we have a team for the farmers market, and then we have a team here at the production okay. facility. And so, you know, there is some overlap, but for the most part, you know, we have the production team and the the farmer's market team. Well, I know you've done, so you started with the, with the pestos. Your hot sauce is kind of your big thing now because mm-hmm. you can have that in all your HEBs you were talking mm-hmm. about because of, you can't really distribute the, the pesto mm-hmm. as well and, right. and you can't sell that online. Mm-hmm. Only the hot sauces are available online. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have, do you look into do like more production, wider distribution in the future? Sure. You said you have a higher capacity that you mm-hmm. can't fit at this facility right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Maybe new flavors coming out, new products all together. Uh, I was also curious, or maybe this might just seem way too much. I'm sure it's crossed your mind. Did you ever have an idea of like opening an actual Humble House restaurant? Anything like that? Or is that just like <laughs> crazy talk? No, not crazy talk. We thought about it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's something that we have thought about. That's where we came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now we're focusing on you know, manufacturing, we're yeah. focusing, like I, like I just gave the advice, we're focusing on ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can go and get, we can push real hard to get another HEB type person around the country, but if we can't execute flawlessly, right, it's all for naught, you know. And even though we've been doing this, you know, Humble House for 10 years and manufacturing for the past, well, real manufacturing for only two or three years, you mm-hmm. know, we still have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. And... Um, really, the only thing we have is a lot of hard work of getting better. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's really what we're focusing on is just making sure that this facility is where it needs to be so that we can scale and grow nationwide. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those things is a certification. It's a third-party certification. It's not required. But we are overhauling all of our processes to get an SQF certification. Okay. Which stands for Safe Quality Food. 
and it if if you get this certification, um, you are then G, it's it's recognized by GFSI, which is the Global Food Safety um, Standards okay. International, and and essentially, if you are recognized by GFSI, your facility, anything that comes out of your facility is at the highest food safety standard. So you wow. could ship internationally, you could export, you know, you can do all of that. Okay. Um, and SQF is like I said, a third party uh, um, certification, but it really shows grocers that we approach um, and it shows customers that buy from us that we're serious about food safety. Yeah, these people have gone through all the, everything they need to do to make sure that they can, you know. Yes. Yeah. So that's what we're working on now. It's uh, a very lengthy process and for the size that we are now, it's, it's, you know, we're just building it in so that as we grow, we have the, the capacity to keep those standards as we grow because that's yeah. one of the things we found growing over the past three years going from three gallons to you know I was about to say what yeah. we have now we we saw how inadequate we were at manufacturing you know and we learned a lot of hard lessons so when you know even though we can we can do six tons worth of uh food a day here you know that's not a lot mm-hmm. you know some of my mentors that that produce down the street from us like aspen beverage um and and you know creative food works these guys run hundreds of thousands of bottles a day it's crazy you know yeah Yeah, they do truckloads in 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 hours you know we we are a tiny 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 company and um to get to that point you know still going to take a lot of uh, a lot of learning. So, so that's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. A lot of room for and growth. And a lot of room for learning and just assessment and figuring yeah. it all out. So you're still, you're 11 years in, but you're still at the early stages. We're yeah. barely, we're barely yeah. scratching the surface and starting the, the next, the next phase. I think that's exciting. Uh, I appreciate you all for having me out here and showing me the facility. And sure. uh, by the way, do you all eat, you, you eat your own hot sauces at home and yes. oh, yeah. pestos yes. and stuff did, like that? Did you tell him that the reason that they're mild? Well, yeah, um, you know, I made them for basically so oh, that I could use right. spicy at home. It was, uh, she it doesn't was like spicy. It was basically for me. So he was going to culinary school focused on Latin cuisine, so there's chilies in everything that he was making. Okay. But he would have to end up making two versions of dinner a night, one bland for me because mm-hmm. I can't handle heat, right. and then one with chilies for him. So his the whole idea behind the... Um, the not spicy hot sauces right. was a way to merge the two. So that is the thing, yeah. So I, I keep calling them hot sauces, but, but really they're, they're they're more like flavored yeah, they're mm-hmm. sauces, sauces. Mm-hmm. with a little bit little bit of heat. Like yeah. I'm calling the gateway hot sauces. Yeah, For very newbies. much a gateway hot sauce. It's yeah. yeah, some of the more flavorful hot sauce the yeah. so- sauces you will ever have. Yeah, um, the motto is uh, flavor first. Okay, cool. And you want to name off the, the flavors real fast? For sure. Food? Do, you want me to, do you want me to take a bite yep. of this? Yes. Okay, so we have the Wajillo and Red Jalapeno, which is um, basically our version of Sriracha. It's going to be more of a garlic and tangy kind of flavor. That's the mildest of the three. Yep. Um, and then the um, the Ancho and Morita okay. sauce is going to be kind of like more of a barbecue flavor with the smoky notes and then the sweetness from the tamarind that we use. Okay. Um, and then that one's the medium. You know, and then the last one is kind of tropical, so it's habanero and aji amarillo, but mm. with mangoes and papaya. So you Dude. get it's the the hottest of the three, but the sweetness from the fruit kind of helps to balance everything out. And it's um, they're all meant to be used in cooking. That's why that's another reason that they're mild, is so that you can use them as um, marinades or bastings. Or um, actually, I like to use the 
habanero one in like cocktails. Oh wow! Yeah. Because of the fruitiness crazy, and then yeah. just a little bit of heat, it's it's perfect for margaritas. So a lot so. of applications, yes. not mm-hmm. just put it on your taco and right. be yeah. done with it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Well, yeah, you can anybody listening, you can find the majority of you know all three of these flavors at probably all the HEBs in San Antonio. If I had to mm-hmm. get up here in Austin, you can get them in Austin. If you're yep. in Houston, you can get them in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, over over 200 HEBs uh, mm-hmm. and growing. And so uh, really exciting things y'all are doing right now. I really appreciate y'all having me out here, showing me the facility. And uh, Thank you for coming out. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. And bye, baby. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening to Building Something Out of Nothing. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at ed, that's ed6238, at gmail.com. As always, you can visit either one of our locations seven days a week. Our roastery and first location is over at Warehouse 5 at 1333 Buena Vista Street. If you'd like to serve Shotgun House coffee roasters in your restaurant, cafe, or office, shoot us a quick email at orders at shotgunhouseroasters.com or contact me anytime at 254-913-9031. Our intro music is provided by the Delicate Boys from Austin, Texas. You can find this song and their entire album on Spotify. Thanks.